Good morning, church. Glad that you are here, and I am glad to be here. Spent the last three days in Nashville working on um, songs and music. Uh, some of you know that I used to sing in a group called Acapella. We are doing a 40-year concert tour next spring, I guess, February, March. Um, about 12 cities, 12 dates. And so we were rehearsing and trying to get ready for that. Um, I love to sing. I love music. But when you sing the same thing over and over and over and over for three days, it kind of wears you out on some of that. Um, but that's, that's what you got to do to get it right. So um, we were doing that. Paula is away in Searcy this morning. Uh, she went to Searcy. They had a parent weekend. So she's been there. She left on Thursday, uh, so she'll be driving back today. So uh, keep her in your prayers as as she is going to be going to be traveling. Um, Brent, I'd apologize to you. Um, I told Landon, I said, man, I just I set it up right on the tee for him this morning. Uh, the heart of worship. So that lended itself to a lot of really good songs. Uh, last week, you got but now. Um, a little more challenge there. Uh, Landon, Landon had it easy. I want us to think about worship this morning, the heart of worship. What is it? But before we do that, let's, let's read our text, and then we will we'll spend a little time thinking about the heart of worship. Very, very familiar passage to you, I, I'm sure. Luke chapter 17 Our reading this morning began in verse 11, the word of the Lord. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go Show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. i got to put in a little plug because um, the brand new album that, that Acapella just released, there is a song on there called uh, Only One Came Back. It's all about uh, what we just got through reading here in Luke chapter 17. Um, fantastic song. Um, Jesus heals these ten men of leprosy, but only one of them comes back to say thank you. There are two words in um, our New Testament that are translated worship. One of those is, is the Greek word uh, latreo. I think I'm saying that right. D- does anybody know? Of course you don't. So I'm saying it correctly. That's how you say it, latreo. Um, 
Really what it has to do with is, is all of the service that the priest would perform uh, in, in their worship in the temple. All the things that they had to do, uh, the making of the showbread, the, the, the washing of the utensils, the purification, all, all of those things, um, that was considered worship. That was their acts of service that they did in service to God. Uh, that's not uh, a word that we see often, but, but that is a word that is translated worship. The more uh, prominent word that we see that's almost always translated worship is the Greek word proskuneo. Proskuneo. And literally, literally what it means is to kiss, to kiss toward, um, to, to blow kisses. To show love, to show adoration. Now that word is not actually in our text this morning, um, but that idea, it's laden in our text this morning. Expressing devotion and love and adoration. And it's not confined, that idea of worship, it is not confined to this place on this day, at this hour. That's kind of what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 12. Um, we're studying Romans in, in, in Bible class, and, and we get to chapter 12, and the very beginning it says, therefore. Anytime you see therefore in the scripture, you got to see what, what came before it. Everything that came before it. Paul spends like 12 chapters leading up to this idea that we're all sinners, we're saved by the grace of God, it comes through faith. And therefore, because of all of that, he says, therefore, my brothers, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Which is your spiritual worshiper. This is your reasonable act of service. So, in view of that mercy, we're supposed to do that. Every day. And I want to talk about the source of worship. I want to talk about the source of our worship. What's the foundation? The source of worship. We can blow kisses to God. Or we can blow kisses to people. Um, and we don't really know who is, who is really serious or who is sincere and who's not. So, think with me if you will. Take, for example, two men are going on a, on a business trip. Both of them are saying goodbye to their families. They're both going to be gone for a couple of days. One man, he looks at his wife and his children and he blows kisses to them. Uh, he loves them so much. Sincerely, he's going to miss them. He can't wait till he, till he comes home. The other man blows kisses to his wife and his children, just like the first man, but already, secretly, he's made plans to spend time with his mistress. You don't know which one is which. You don't know which one is, is true, which one is sincere, and which one is not, just by looking at it. Worship to God is much the same way. We can come here, we can, we can sing, we can be led in prayer. We just took communion. And some of us are focused on God and our desire 
to show our love, our gratitude to him by what we're doing here. And others may just simply be going through the routine. Just going, you know, through the motion, all the while thinking about other things that may be more important to them. Why do we do that? I mean, all of us have done that at times, but why Why do we do that? I want to talk about the heart of worship this morning. Let me tell you a story. This happened years ago. I think the year was 1860, if I remember correctly, so none of you, none of you remember this. But there was a fellow by the name of Ed Spencer. He was a student uh, at a college near Lake Michigan. Uh, he was awakened in the middle of the night by... Um, shouts and screaming. There had been a shipwreck offshore. There was an excursion boat, had, four, I think, 400 passengers on it, and it ran into a freighter during the night, and now the boat was sinking. Spencer uh, ran to the scene. He was a very strong swimmer, and he, he dove into those chilly, icy waters of Lake Michigan, and he swam, and he began to pluck people out and bring them back to shore. This went on for hours and hours, like five or six hours. He goes into the water, and he, and he brings someone back safely to shore. He had pulled 15 people out of the water. He's lying there on the banks, just exhausted, sheer exhaustion, And then he hears someone say, there's two more. He gets back up. He dives back into the water. He saves a man and a woman, brings them safely to shore. Because of this, his health was irreparably damaged. He was never able to go back to the classroom. He couldn't go back to college. Uh, His health deteriorated to the point where he became an invalid. And years later, there was a reporter who who was doing tragedy. He was doing a story about tragedies that had happened in and around the Great Lakes. He found Ed Spencer living in a retirement home out in California. He went and he asked if he could interview him, and he said yes. And he interviewed him, and he said, Mr. Spencer, what do you remember most about that fateful evening. Spencer looked at him and he said, the only thing I remember about that whole evening is that not one of the people I rescued ever told me thank you. Not one person ever said thank you. He destroyed his life And they never even said thank you. I want to focus on the result of the one man who came back in our text this morning. Yes, he was thankful, but I want to focus on what he did, on what he did with his thankfulness. When he saw that he had been healed, he came back and he did what? The text says, he praised God in a loud voice. I don't, I don't know what he said. I don't know exactly what that looked like. But it says, he praised God in a loud voice. That's worship. That's worship. Praising God. Kissing towards God. Showing adoration and love. But not just feeling it inside. 
He expressed it to God. He does it out of a thankful heart. Feelings of thanksgiving and gratitude. You see, worship and gratitude go hand in hand. Worship is a result of gratitude. Worship is an expression of gratitude. If you have a profound sense of gratitude about what God has done in your life, you cannot help but express it. You cannot help but express it in love and in devotion and in acts of service. You know, I, didn't, uh, I grew up in the Church of Christ, so I did not grow up around um, people who, who lifted their hands in worship. Uh, that's not something that we, we ever did. And that's not something that most of, most of us still do. Uh, I can remember the first time I was in Estes Park, Colorado. Um, we were at a, a seminar. This is back when I was, was traveling and singing. We were at a seminar that was, was really for people that were in the industry about, you know, songwriting and recording and music production and that kind of stuff. That was all day long. And then at night they would have music. They would have concerts by different contemporary Christian artists. I can remember the first time that we were there, it was um, just a kind of a small packed auditorium, um, probably had maybe a couple of thousand people kind of jammed in here, very kind of an intimate setting. You were very, pretty close to the stage. And I remember when the first artist began to sing, all of a sudden there were 2,000 people, so there were about um, two times... Um, Two is four, so about 4,000 hands went up in the air, except for mine and a couple of other folks that I was with. And I looked around, and I thought, man, I am in the wrong place. I don't know what I'm doing here. That felt really weird to me. It felt really awkward. And then I felt even more awkward because I was the only one who wasn't doing it, just me and a couple of other folks. I began to think about, is that wrong to do that, or is it just different from what I'm used to, how I was raised, the environment that I grew up in. And obviously through the studying of the scriptures and all, uh, there's certainly nothing wrong. In fact, the Jews oftentimes would pray with raised hands. Paul encouraged people to lift up men to pray with, with holy hands. And so there are times in my life, and I will just tell you, that I don't know el- what else to do except to lift my hands in praise to God. It's almost as if a small child, you know, just says, Daddy, you know, you want a child wants you to pick them up, you know. Or your grandchild comes, and when, when they raise their hands, what do you do? Man, you just scoop them up, and you pick them up, and you just love on them, give them kisses. It's almost as if there are times, I, I just confess to you, I don't know what else to do except to lift my hands in praise. And I've noticed some of you, you're not comfortable with it either. We, we, we kind of start out like this, so nobody will see us. That's okay. That's, that's kind of the way I felt. But there are times when I just want to just say, oh, God, I love you so much. Thank you for what you've done. And I don't know what else, what else to say. We, we used to sing an old song, Oh, Sacred Head Now Wounded. You remember the song? The, the second verse says, what language shall I borrow? To thank thee, dearest friend. It's almost as if the words thank you just are not adequate enough. What other language could I borrow? 
What other words could I say that would express my gratitude? I don't even have the words to say, and I'm so grateful that the Holy Spirit is helping interpret that to God. Sometimes I don't even know what to say or to pray, and I, and I know based upon what the Scripture reveals that the Holy Spirit is groaning with me and, and, and taking those words to the Father. And all I can do is just say thank you. The real puzzle, I think, is why aren't you and I just bubbling over with gratitude all the time because of what God has done for us? I mean, how many of you woke up this morning and just said, I cannot wait. I cannot wait for 1030 this morning so that I can sing praises. I can get with my brothers and my I can't wait to hear Rodney preach because he's going to be good and he's going to bring it. I mean, how many of you just woke up? How many of you started thinking about it yesterday? Man, I can't wait. Sunday is almost here. I mean, that's kind of what's puzzling to me. I mean, and I say this about myself as well. Why are we not just bubbling over with joy and excitement and just cannot wait to get here? I mean, Sunday is my favorite, favorite time of the week because I get to be with you. Have I told you how much I love you? Have I told you that lately? I, lo- I was driving home fr- late Friday night. We had been all day Wednesday, all day Thursday, all day Friday, working on music, music, staging, and all this kind of stuff. And we, we finished up a little earlier. I thought I was going to have to come back on Saturday. And I got in the car about 6 o'clock. I started heading to Jeffersonville, Indiana. Who, who knows where that is? But I began to feel like I was, I was headed home. <laughs> I was, that was kind of a, a, an odd and yet a good feeling. Rob, I just, I'm telling you, I just felt like I was coming home. And I was thinking about you guys. I was thinking about this moment right here that I was going to get to share with you. And, um, and I was excited. I love you guys. I, I, I just want to tell you that. God has blessed us, guys, in so many ways. And I know that we all go through difficult times. We experience heartaches and loss and troubles. I mean, that's what it means to live in a fallen world somewhere east of Eden. That's, that, that's the world we live in. Wouldn't you agree with me that we live in a broken world? I mean, it's broken. And we deal with it every day. You're de- Some of you are dealing with it right now, and it's heavy. I get that. I, I understand it. But... But on balance, can we not say that our lives are really good? Can we not say that? God has been good to us. The very heart of why we're here today is to blow kisses to God. To tell Him that we love Him. To tell Him thank you for all that He's done. I guess my fear is that sometimes we really, we're not that grateful. We, 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 or, or we just don't understand how good God has been to us. Luke 17, verse 17 and 18. Jesus 
asked, were not all cleansed? Where are the other nine? Where, where are those guys? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner, this Samaritan? Jesus noticed that the others didn't express gratitude for what he had done. And it, and it sounds like from the text, he cared about that. It really mattered to him. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think Jesus knew ahead of time that nine of them weren't going to come back and say thank you? Do you think Jesus already knew that? Probably so, right? But yet he went ahead and healed them anyway. He knew that only one was going to come back, and yet he healed all of them. But from what he says in the text, where, where are the other nine, he asked the guy. Where are they? It seems to me, at least, that it mattered to Jesus. He was going to heal them anyway, but you know what he was desirous of? Thank you. He, he wanted him to say thank you. As a parent... Don't you want your children to appreciate when you do something for them? You're going to do it anyway. Why? Because you love them. You see a need in their life. Or maybe there's not a need, but you just want to bless them. Just because they're your kids and you love them. They don't deserve it. In fact, maybe they've been rascals. But sometimes you just want to bless them. You want to take them for ice cream. So you can have some too. But you know what? Isn't it nice to hear, thank you, Daddy? Thank you, Daddy. I love you, Daddy. You are so good. Jesus, it seems like he wanted to be thanked. He wanted to be appreciated for how he had blessed them. And I wonder sometimes, does, does God notice us? I mean, he noticed that these nine didn't come back to say thank you. I wonder, does, does God notice us today? Where you're sitting, where I'm standing, does God notice whether we're just kind of going through the motions? Whether we're, we're here out of... of uh, a sense of obligation or a sense of duty or maybe out of a sense of guilt. If we, if we stayed home, we'd just feel guilty. I wonder if God notices that. And I wonder if God notices when we show up and we're excited and we just can't wait to, you know, to, to start singing and we can't wait to get into it. Do you think God notices that? Yeah, I think he does too. True gratitude and thanksgiving expressed to God would transform our own lives. It would transform us. We would have a sense of joy, a sense of trust that God is with us. God is with us. You know, that's what the name Emmanuel meant. 
when, when God left heaven, the Word, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, that part of God that left heaven and became a man, the, the great prophet said, he shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. For a while, for a time, God dwelt upon this earth in the form of Jesus. But Jesus, when he died, he said, look, I'm going to send, I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the spirit. There was, this, there was this great inversion where Jesus ascends back to the Father and he says, it's, it's good if I go away. Because as a man, Jesus, Jesus couldn't be everywhere. Do you understand that? In the flesh, he was in one place at one time. But he said, when I leave, I'm going to send the Spirit. And the Spirit, he's going to come. He's going to guide you. He's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to remind you of all the things I've said. He's going to be your counselor. And it's good if I go away because I'm going to send the Spirit. And now the Spirit is everywhere. I shared with the elders this morning in our meeting, which is way too early on a Sunday morning, but I shared with them, my buddy's over in, in, in Africa right now. This is the first mission trip that I haven't been on with them since 2014. And so I'm so excited to hear what they're doing, and then there's that part of me that's like, man, I'm missing out. I'm missing out on all this good stuff. In six days' time, in just under a week's time, they have baptized over 1,300 people 25 congregations have been established, and our, our seasoned preachers will be going back there time and time again to disciple uh, and to mentor and to lead them and to help them grow. It's just, it's just mind-boggling. It's amazing what God is doing there. Um, keep them in your prayers. But we're so thankful, and we appreciate what God has done, and we're just bubbling over with gratitude. And thanksgiving for that. The real puzzle of life is why you and I just <laughs> aren't giddy and excited and to show God that in our daily lives. It's not just enough to think it. You got to say it. You got to express it. You know, my wife, um, she loves she loves to hear me say things to her that I love you, that I think you're, you're wonderful, that you're beautiful. I can sit there and think it all day long in my mind. But until it comes out of my mouth and into her ears, she doesn't know. And it's not enough to say it one time. Like the old guy that said, you know, I told you I loved you the day we got married. And if I ever change my mind, I'll tell you, you know, that's not good enough. You remember the old song, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands? If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, then what? Your face will surely show it. Sometimes it's like we've come into the auditorium and it's like half of us have been baptized in lemon juice. You know? It's just like, you know, oh, it's such a struggle to get here this morning. You know? No, we're excited. We're so happy, and we just couldn't wait to share this moment with each other so we could blow kisses to God, proskuneo, to tell him how much we love him, to tell him how much we adore him. Mm. And that would, 
boil over and overflow into our daily lives. That's really what Paul was talking about in Romans 12. Therefore, because of all of that, in view of God's great mercy, His, His great sacrifice, His great love, in view of all of that, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. This is your reasonable service. This is what you would do in response to a God who has given you so much, who has loved you so much. That would be the natural overflow of our gratitude. In Paul's letter, I think to the Thessalonians, he says to pray continually, and he says to pray with thanksgiving. To pray with thanksgiving. Prayer is not a shopping list. Prayer is not a, a, a list that we go through and say, God, I want this, and I want this, and I want this. Oh, yes. And, you know, bless me here, and uh, I need a new job, I want some more money. Bless me, bless me. Most of the time in our prayers, we pray about physical things, physical health. And let me tell you, that's good and right. God tells us we can do that. We can take that burden and that care before the Father and say, bless us. But, but we get so caught up in the physical, thinking about our health and, our, and the health of our loved ones, that, that we, we neglect to praise God just because he's good, just because he's worthy. I said this in class this morning. If I never received another blessing from God, another good thing, if nothing good ever happened to me again in my life, God is worthy of my praise. Job said, naked I came into the world and naked I shall depart, but the name of the Lord is to be praised. Do you believe that? Has God been good to anybody this morning? Has God been good to you? Let's sing it. God is so good. Sing it with me now. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Makes you want to lift your hands, doesn't it? Do it. God is so God is so good, God is so good, come to me. Oh, he's so worthy. He's so worthy of our praise. And if we would show gratitude to him, uh, listen to me, it would transform us. It would transform our lives. We talk about the attitude of gratitude. Uh, it, it would transform the way we treat one another, the way we treat our families, the way we treat one another in the body of Christ. It would transform everything about our lives. Mm. Too often I think I have been guilty of being one of the nine who took the blessing and ran with it. But more and more, guys, I, I want to be the one who came back. 
I want to be the one who came back, fell on his feet and praised God in a loud voice and said, thank you. I love you. You've been so good to me. Let's live. Let's live those kind of lives. Let's be those kind of people. It would transform us, and I believe it would show the world around us that we belong to Jesus and that we have that spirit that is alive in our lives.